This episode is brought to you by Plate IQ, your accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Plate IQ works with over 20,000 restaurants across the nation, and they work with restaurants all over the spectrum from Michelin star to QSR and everyone in between. So Plate IQ uses OCR and OCR stands for optical character recognition, and it's the technology that recognizes text within a digital image. So like I said, Plate IQ uses OCR in deep machine learning to eliminate the manual data entry from the accounts payable process. So now you can automate the full life cycle of your invoices from the general ledger coding to the bill payment via Play IQ's vendor pay network. Ooh, let's dive deeper into that vendor pay. With Play IQ's vendor pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bills. You can earn cash back on invoices from over 180,000 vendors. And just the fact that you're paying your, your vendors online is a win. I mean, no more paper checks. Woohoo! Am I right? Also, with Plate IQ Vendor Pay, you can see what's due when and schedule payments by check, ACH, or Plate IQ card. And we've got to mention with Plate IQ Vendor Pay, there's no escrow. You don't lose flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. Lastly, I've got to point out that Plate IQ isn't just for the restaurants, it's also for the vendor. Actually, vendors love Plate IQ because for the same reasons you love it, because it makes your life way easier and you want to keep your vendors happy because that will give you leverage in negotiating your terms. Everyone, you and your vendors can filter through a digital filing cabinet and see which vendors have already been scheduled for what payment. Your vendors won't have to hunt you down. That means no more phone tag and everybody loves that. And then lastly, vendors participating in Plate IQ's vendor pay network love it because it shortens days sales outstanding by 25%, aka vendors get paid 25% faster. To learn more, go to plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And if you use that link, you'll save at least 25% off implementation. So a huge part of industry conversation and focus right now is currently centered around the topic of leveraging technology to streamline process and reduce the workload to offset this stupid labor shortage. That's why I'm excited to present to you Hello Slang. We can all agree that missed calls means unhappy customers, and unhappy customers means lost business. Let me put it a little bit more directly. When you miss calls, you lose business. Yeah, I know, Eric, but staffing's so expensive, and with the cost of labor going up, do I really just want to pay somebody to stand by a phone? Seriously, what's a restaurateur to do? Well, meet HelloSlang.com. Never miss an opportunity due to a missed call again. HelloSlang.com uses AI technology to understand your caller and give them answers immediately, 24-7. HelloSlang.com expedites orders, reservations, shares hours and specials, and answers any custom question. Plus, HelloSlang.com can automatically text callers important information like addresses, directions, menus, anything except Yelp reviews, but let's be honest, who's going to miss that? Am I right? HelloSlang.com works with casual dining all the way up to fine dining concepts across the country. And yes, I know 
there is this concern of losing the human touch. And that is one of my biggest concerns with technology like this too. But one of the reasons why I love HelloSlang.com so much is because you choose which calls get forwarded to you so you can preserve the human touch. And I should mention it only takes 30 minutes and it can be even faster if you choose to go with the white glove onboarding process. To learn more, go to HelloSlang.com slash unstoppable for your first month free and no long-term commitment. Again, that's helloslang.com slash unstoppable for your first month free. I don't know about you, but I am always blown away by how quickly menus get destroyed at the end of the night. It's like they're either soaked, soiled, or torn by our patrons. It's almost as if we're sending them into war every night. Well, if we're sending our menus into battle every night, we might as well send them in equipped with the same materials the U.S. Navy SEALs use. That's right. TerraSlate, the creators of the world's most durable paper, created the industry-recognized waterproof menus by using the same exact materials they developed for the U.S. Navy SEALs. Their menus are not only 100% waterproof, but they are also rip-proof, which means you can have a better-looking menu that lasts. Now, I know a few of you are listening to this thinking to yourselves, who needs indestructible paper when I've got these fancy laminating machines and uh, these menu jackets with a plastic sheet that goes over the menu to, to protect it? Well, yeah, okay, maybe those tools help you keep your menu looking lively longer, but not that much longer if we're being honest. Am I right? And how much time and money are you wasting relaminating or rejiggering slash replacing those menus after they do eventually get worn out? I'm telling you, there is no better or easier option out there than TerraSlate. TerraSlate menus have been saving money for restaurant owners and managers in tens of thousands of restaurants around the world since 2014. Each menu is self-sanitizing as TerraSlate's proprietary antimicrobial nano coating is added to each one and get this for free on every menu order forever. Ordering the world's most durable menus is easy. When you're done with your menu, when it's time to roll out a new menu, just recycle the old ones and head to www.terraslate.com. It's that simple. Have you ever had whole hog barbecue? Have you ever been to West Tennessee? Have you ever had whole hog barbecue in West Tennessee? Well, if you ever find yourself in west tennessee and you're hungry for whole hog barbecue then you head on over to martin's barbecue joint martin's barbecue joint has several locations at one of them most likely you can find the owner the pitmaster himself patrick martin patrick wasn't always the king of his whole hog hill though 25 years ago patrick martin was just a guy from memphis who loved cooking barbecue but he didn't always know how. Back then, he was in the pit, but he was no master. There were a lot of barbecue joints in this little bitty town. It's in Henderson, Tennessee, in West Tennessee. I remember walking into Thomas and Webb Barbecue, and I, this man was sitting there, and he said, you know, what do you want? I said, I want a pork sandwich. He asked me where I wanted it from. And I said, I don't, what do you mean? He goes, well, do you want some ham? you want lean meat, uh, fat meat, this, that? And I said, uh, I just 
you know, right down the middle. <laughs> Slaw, you know. So he turned to the right and lifted up this cardboard. And I mean, man, behind him was, I mean, there was this hog by the cash register that he had taken off the pit. And he just pulled it and made the sandwich right in front of you. That blew me away. That really set it in stone. I was like, I have got to learn how to do that. And it was just so big and daunting, like a whole animal, you know. And like, you know, I'd been cooking ribs and all that and shoulders and butts and but a whole hog was it. So anyway, I developed a pretty quick, a deep relationship with Mr. Harold, and he ended up. He he is who mentored me, and he. So this is me. Harold Thomas you're talking yeah, about Harold. right now, who was at the window, who served you. That's that right. Day. Yeah, yeah. He was a kind, gentle man. But he would let me come down, and he would answer any question. He had no secrets, which is also something yes. that I've adopted. I think people have secrets or assholes. He was an open book, and he shared every single thing with me. He let me hang around the pits, and, you know, I never got paid. I just worked in there. But See, uh, that is huge, and that is something that Restaurant Unstoppable hinges on, this idea that we're better when we take that knowledge and we pay. We have an obligation. We as society, as humanity, we are where we are because of that ability to pay it forward, to share that information. And unfortunately, in barbecue, there's this big thing like a My Secret Rub or My Secret Sauce. I can tell you right now, it's all crock crap. That conversation took place between Eric Cacciatore and pitmaster Pat Martin himself in September of 2020. Pat was a guest on Eric's podcast, Restaurant Unstoppable. And throughout the interview, he constantly emphasizes the importance of paying it forward, of mentoring those who come to you for advice and for guidance. He is also eager to tell Eric's listeners that seeking advice is equally as important as imparting it upon others. I'm not intimidated by anybody. And I don't mean that as like I'm some bad. I just don't. I think we're all just people. And um, I'm not I'm also not intimidated by myself to say I don't have the answer to this, man. Like, you know, those old monikers you see like back in the 70s when dad's driving the car and he's not going to use a map out of pride. That's not me. Give me a map. It's okay to take help. It's okay. Yeah, because you what do you you don't have it figured out. So it didn't it did not intimidate me in the least. I matter of fact, I was a like thirsty is not even doesn't even describe it. Willing student and the student always seeks the teacher. That's very important. So Bodner just shows up and he's like talking to me about this stuff. And that it went from very informal to never got formal, but it went, it got serious. Like, okay, see you next Tuesday. And here's what you do this. And he would work on his stuff over on the side and I'd be over there like, okay, is this right? And be like, look at, yeah, yeah, that's right. You see that, you know? So that went on. And so anyway, we ended up partnering in 2010 and I said, the deal was, um, he didn't buy into it. I didn't get any money. I gave him equity in return for mentorship. Equity in return for mentorship? If that sounds crazy to you, then you need to reevaluate why you want to work in the hospitality industry. What is the difference between college and a mentorship? Greenbacks, dead presidents, moolah, dinero, money. You cannot learn anything at culinary school or college without promising to pay a ridiculously large sum of money to that institution. But as long as you pay... You can learn a thing or two, not because we want well-educated, well-rounded humans walking around the community, but because they paid us. Yay! How fucked up is that? It's transactional. That's all it is. Give me money, I will give you knowledge. What you do with that knowledge, though, is up to you because the transaction ends here. Now, Hit the highway and expect a piece of mail from us a couple of times a year with the word alumni printed somewhere within. But I'll tell you, tell you how, how I feel about school, Jerry. It's a waste of time. 
bunch of people running around, bumping into each other. Got guy up front says two plus two. People in the back say four. Then the, then the bell rings. They give you a carton of milk and a piece of paper that says you can go take a dump or something. I mean, it's, it's not a place for smart people, Jerry. Cartoon geniuses can be full of shit, right? That clip of Rick Sanchez is, of course, an exaggeration, but there may be something to it. As Pat Martin mentions in his interview with Eric, culinary school gives you a head start on the foundation, but you still have to build the house. Building a house is a lot easier if you're doing it with someone who has already built their own house and wants to show you how they did it, what mistakes they made, and how to improve upon their original design. This is a mentor. The mentor-mentee relationship is a nuanced and interesting one. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the third episode of the story of Seven North. I am your host, Jared Parisi, and today we will be exploring how Doug York managed to obtain mentors within his community in order to help him open Seven North Coffee Co. I've also found people can be very forthcoming and love to share information, but then there's a lot of people who you just get the vibe like they don't they don't want to share what got them there. One of my goals is to share and and maybe that's a big part of like doing this is to share what got me here and to give people those magic keys to these magic doors that don't really exist. That we think they do, but it's just a bunch of people not sharing the information on how they got there. In the beginning, Doug found frustration as his only friend. He was not searching his community for a fellow business owner to help him out. He was searching the internet and finding additional friends called frustration. When you read blogs on how to open a coffee shop, they give you great overviews and like what you want it to look like. They give you all this like fluff where I needed like this is how much coffee you need for this amount of people. I didn't need like, oh, you know, you're going to you're going to need to be in the best location. Like, no shit. You yeah. know, to me that was all like a given like I'm not going to put a coffee shop in the middle of freaking nowhere. Nor shall I, Doug, nor shall I. But what I will do is I will go seek out two awesome individuals in the Exeter, New Hampshire community who saw something in our budding entrepreneur and agreed to help him hurl his eagle of a vision into the lunar surface of reality. Sure. So I'm Jeremiah Vernon, and uh, I grew up in New London, New Hampshire, near Mount Sunapee. Lived in New Hampshire my whole life. My kids are the 11th generation from my family to live in New Hampshire. So we've been here. We have a pot from the Pilgrims when they came over. And then my wife is from Syracuse, New York. And we met after college on a farm in Maine. And then she ended up becoming a Spanish teacher at Exeter High School, which sort of grounded us to the seacoast of New Hampshire. And so that grounded us here about 10 years ago. And we've been looking for farmland. It took us about seven years to find farmland. Uh, I had farmed for about a decade prior, dairy farms, vegetable farms, conventional, organic, everything in between. And then we found this property uh, here in Newfields in 2014. I was driving to in my other farm job down the road, saw the for sale sign up, pulled in. Yeah, been here ever since then. And so we started a farm in 2014 and Vernon Family Farm is now a much larger operation than it was before. We got employees and all sorts of crazy stuff. So in Doug's story exist two different kinds of mentors. Jeremiah was Doug's friend before he was a mentor. 
Kath Gallant, who we will meet later, was more of a formal and business-oriented mentor for Doug. Early on, a mentor can help delete stress like Motrin, help ease your mind. I love this story Jeremiah tells about reminding Doug that not every single little thing that goes wrong in your business is, in fact, the end of the world. Most of it was, you know, Doug on the fly sort of realizing that he had got himself into a situation where some amount of uh, previous experience and knowledge would be helpful. So he never, I don't think he ever, he never said, will you be my mentor? It just came out where all of a sudden he's asking all these questions and curiosities and for example, I had I just was in the cafe, coffee shop yesterday, and I told him about an incident we had at our kitchen. One of our employees had something going wrong with a burner, and the way Doug reacted was as if that had been the sort of thing that would keep me up for nights. And it made me realize that you know, in Doug's progression in his business ownership, you know, he's still at the stage one where this sort of thing would happen, and you don't sleep for a week. And we've moved on enough now and had enough bad things happen that we're robust enough to handle these issues without having them be mental or physical or financial stop. Remember those voice memos we heard in episode one where Doug reflects on trying to open his coffee shop? Well, the recordings did not stop once he signed the lease. He has been tracking his progress consistently with these audio journal entries and lucky for us because now we get to hear Doug's frustrations in tandem with his mentor's advice. Listen here to Doug reflecting on one of those minor problems that happen literally every day in a restaurant. Notice in this clip that Doug says, act like nothing's going on. And honestly, this is the life of a restaurateur when interacting with guests. There is literally always something going wrong in a kitchen. A commercial kitchen is akin to modern human life. Messy from open to close, birth to death. Just keep smiling, act like nothing's wrong, fix it while no one's looking. It's a roller coaster. Every day is a roller coaster. There's no idea what to expect today. Uh, we had a leak, the water from the pitcher washer uh, got out of the drain and I'm standing there making drinks, and before I know it, I look down, and I'm standing in a puddle of water and have no idea where it's coming from. It took me 20 minutes to diagnose, figure out the problem, because it was underneath the cabinet, underneath the espresso machine, so I couldn't really see it right away, and it was right during... Our rush. So there's people walking in. I'm trying to act like nothing's going on, and you know, be cordial to the people. Be, hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'm standing in a puddle of water, but I'm not going to <laughs> lead on. You know, I'm not going to tell people that. So uh, that was today's little journey, and. Uh, yeah, this is, it's not easy. It's not easy doing it on your own every single, every single day. Nobody said it would be easy, Doug. If you came to this podcast hoping to witness a train wreck, well, I'm sorry. Like Q-Tip claims in the tribe track, We the People, VH1 has a show that you can waste your time with, okay? So go watch reality TV. Doug's coffee shop is open and operational. Now, however, the true struggle begins. Getting there is easy. Maintaining is hard. Listen, Doug, nobody said it would be easy. Matter of fact, 
everyone said it would be really, really, really hard. I got to give our budding entrepreneur some credit, though. He sounds tired. He sounds spent. He sounds frustrated and fed up in these voice memos that he recorded while the shop was open, and he's working it every single day. But this is normal. We must remember, pain and suffering have been normalized in the restaurant industry. But Doug has a good influence, someone backing him up, reminding him about mental stress. I think the hardest part with this business ownership and what I hope I'm able to, you know, share my experience with Doug is the, the mental stress of owning a business. Like it doesn't stop. You know, even when you go home, your employee will call you because something went wrong. Even when you go to bed, you can have a pipe burst and flood your store. You know, like it, it does not stop. Here is a voice memo from Doug titled Reflection in the Rain, where he feels exactly what Jeremiah is referencing. I gotta start the day uh, today. I gotta finish up what I didn't do last night because I wasn't able to get to everything. I don't know. It's just one continuous thing. Somebody asked me yesterday if, you know, we were talking about the weekend or whatever it was, and I was saying how every day feels the same, so it's hard to distinguish one day from the next, and it's all just kind of like one long day with these little naps in between, and then just starting over. It's this weird cycle that I can't quite figure out yet. No one has figured it out yet, Doug. That's why opening a business is so damn hard. Anyway, let's get back to Jeremiah and let him finish his thought before I rudely cut him off. And to figure out how you have mental downtime and freedom and still maintain your own being, even though you have all of this intensity and responsibility, is an art, not a science. And if I, I hope that Doug and I are able to like work through that together because I, I know he's mentally taxed. I know he hasn't had a day off. I know he's starting up a business. And... I know he's tired and you put all that together and you can break it. It can be too much. Um, so like I, one of my biggest suggestions to Doug right now is that he take a day off. He needs to close the store down for a weekend and have a weekend away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But like at this point, you know, you're starting up, you don't have any staff, you know, but the mental break, you need it. You need it. It gives you perspective. It gives you a chance to take a deep breath and come back in and feel fresh. And uh, I know he's pretty tapped right now. The mental stress. Have you ever worked in a restaurant? It can be extremely stressful. Now imagine that you own that business, that restaurant. When you close the store and go home, your business is still there. For your staff, the stress ends when they punch out. But for the owner, the business lives eternally in the mind, always gnawing, reminding you that it does exist and that haywire is a constant threat. But up to this point, we have seen a few triumphs for Doug and maybe a few too many downtrodden moments, moments where I stress the struggle of business ownership and ignore the freedom that accompanies it. A successful business owner can remind you of the light at the end of the tunnel when everything finally clicks. If you're self-employed, when it works, it's one of the more tremendous feelings. I mean, it's, it's like having another kid. I mean, the farm eats up probably more responsibility and time than my kids do. The, my kids are more predictable in their, at least at this age, in their 
progress and in, the, in their needs and in their space that they occupy. You know, self-employed businesses, COVID happens and you change your entire policy or you change your entire sales plan. Or, Have you ever interviewed someone? People who do not know each other can't relax into a conversation immediately. It takes time to develop a rhythm. The beginning of an interview is often discarded, seeming useless if deep, thought-provoking answers are sought. After I had packed up my recording equipment, Jeremiah and I continued talking and I recorded the chat with my iPhone. From this post-interview dialogue came an excellent piece of advice for you who is seeking to open your own restaurant when he asked me to be a mentor for this i was blindsided honestly okay. because like i don't feel like doug's mentor i just feel like a friend and a customer right. who's got some business ownership experience yeah. so i called him about this before we have talked today because i was like hey, you just, oh. i want to like run through this with you doug yeah like, yeah Tell me what you mean by like me being your mentor. And he, you know, gave me some of the anecdotal stories I shared today. Okay. Moments I've imparted, you know, just, he calls it wisdom or whatever. You know, whatever it is, experience. Right. Um, but if I had known more formally that he was, like, looking for mentorship, I think I would have been more explicit in some of my, th- you know, my thoughts. And so now okay. that we've sort of done this, I kind of want to sit down with him more explicitly and say, like, you know, this is what I think, honestly, not over this cup of coffee for five minutes before I leave your restaurant with other people around. Okay. So please, you who wants to open a business, be explicit and forthcoming about your desire to learn. Jeremiah told me before the interview that he is, quote, not one to shy away from giving advice, and yet he still found himself not in a position to formally mentor Doug. We mustn't blame Doug, though. He found another mentor in a more formal capacity in Kath Gallant. Kath owns Blue Moon Evolution in downtown Exeter, a restaurant that could have held a driver's license by the time Vernon Family Farm was established. Doug had worked with Kath in a professional setting prior to his asking her for mentorship and advice. I did uh, Gary Hirschberg's entrepreneurship boot camp for many years, and the bottom line at every conference, he would say, you've got to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. And honestly, when people come and ask me for support or help or advice, I'm kind of humbly honored. I'm grateful to share what I know because a lot of my trials and tribulations have been learned the hard way. I didn't go to business school. Um, I've learned, but I've constantly taught myself through the last 25 years. So taking the knowledge that you have acquired and being able to share it is honestly a huge gift for me. So I'm I'm, I'm happy to take time with people who are looking to take a leap, leap of faith and guide them a little bit so they don't stumble and fall or, or over, take too much weight on that leap, you know? If you are still hesitant to take that step, to ask someone in your community to help you build your dream business, then fear not. Because I asked Kath what on earth could possibly have compelled her to say yes to mentoring Doug, and she gave an encouraging answer, and one I had not thought of until she mentioned it. I said yes to answering Doug because I did have a relationship with him first. I knew him as a person. Okay. I cared about um, the project within my community, but I can't say that any of those limita- or any of those aspects were what caused me. I guess they all added up to the yes. I mean, okay. if someone called me out of the blue from somewhere far away and said, you know, I'm thinking about opening a coffee shop, can we meet? 
you know, as I'm saying that, I'd probably say yes because I was <laughs> curious. Uh, you know, when you hit a point in your life where you can give back and you can share your knowledge right. and you can help someone along so that they don't end up in struggles that they could prevent by just some guidance, it's um, it's something that you're. I'm happy to do. I really am very happy to share what I know. And, and they can choose to accept what I've given them or not. And actually, when I kind of slashed... Um, Doug's business plan. I wasn't really sure if he if he was going to take the advice or not. I, but I really cut what he was borrowing. I cut his staff. I trimmed his hours. I, I tried to find ways that he could work less but still have as much profitability. A few things I gleaned from my interview with Kath Gallant. One, asking a business owner in your community for guidance and potential mentorship is a compliment to that person. Do not think that you're insulting someone by asking for help. That person will certainly recognize that there is a good reason he or she is being sought for guidance. Two, if someone wants to build something in your community, you should have an invested interest in the outcome of that business because it is within your community. As Pat Martin so eloquently says, People who keep secrets are assholes. But why? Because if you have the ability to make your community a better place by mentoring the next generation of businesses to be established there, you owe it to your community to make sure those businesses succeed and provide good jobs and a good product. Taking time out of your day to mentor someone in your community makes your community better. Simple as that. You know, what I think Doug had was his desire to step away from a way of living. I mean, he was that, you know, high school teacher, had a very, probably a very consistent daily routine and yearly life. And there was something that was lacking for him. And I think he really wanted to connect with his community on a one-on-one basis. But he had something within him that was calling, uh, that he wanted to do something really person to person. And so that I think is, if you asked him his passion, I I'm sure it comes from connecting and being in community and, um, you know, offering that cup and the, the reward. I don't know. There's something really beautiful about that connection. Do you think that that is the proper motivation to open a coffee shop? You know, I would rather see that motivation than I want to make money (laughs) and then cut all the corners and, be something, p- pretend you're something you're not. Okay. Um, I think really so often in life we use that phrase like the real deal. Like, and that's really being true to yourself and okay. true. And I think Doug carries, I guess maybe that's part of, I feel like Dr- Doug is a very sincere person. He's very true and genuine. And I think that's what I wanted to help support someone take off with their wings in a way that they probably had never seen themselves. Like he'd done a lot of very secure choices in his life from school to college to teaching, you know, and now he wanted to take this big leap of faith and risk, big risk. Yeah. And I guess my hope was that I could shine some light on it and be realistic and guide him from, you know, stumbling, falling, hurting. Yeah. So that was, that was my goal. 
So now it is apparent that Doug has what it takes in the eyes of his two mentors to be a great business owner in their community. Really quick, I'd like to share with you another clip from the voice memo titled Reflection in the Rain to back up what Kath just said about Doug York. I mean, I, I really enjoy being there. I love connecting with people. I love serving people. Like, I'm not bullshitting when I say that. It's just very hard to do it every single day, over and over and over. That might sound a bit downtrodden and depressing, but a true restaurant industry worker knows what he is saying, understands completely. So let's check in with Doug. He now has two mentors, one casual, one formal. They have both expressed their confidence in Doug. But now let's find out what Doug's mentors see as his biggest challenge. Yeah, I would just say in general, as you progress in your business, your problems get bigger and your wins get bigger. Okay. And uh, that is a that requires a little power up as an owner. Like there's moments where you're going to have chaos beset you that is so outside of your comfort zone. And then you're going to have moments where you have victories that are also so outside of your comfort zone. And you got to figure out how do you stay steady through those things. So I yeah, I guess one word to sum up criticism for Doug would be balance. You've got to find some more balance in your life. And I think if you do that, creativity will come back in, new ideas will come back in, and his business will progress. Doug's so calculated sometimes. I think you know he goes, I can't afford an employee, so I won't get one. And sometimes you have to say, I need an employee, get one, and figure out how you're going to... Like, sometimes you just have to do some things and then figure it out. Like you know, And I think... Doug needs to just do those things now. Like, I need Saturdays off. I'm hiring a Saturday employee. That's just what I'm doing. (laughs) And now we must give a little more context. That word balance, it comes up a lot when talking to Doug's mentors. Both Kath and Jeremiah point to balance as Doug's greatest weakness in his business ownership. Basically, at this point, Doug is working every single day at his coffee shop, which is open from 7 a.m. until 3 p.m. daily. He has no employees. He serves every single customer that walks through the door. He has literally no balance. His daughter is often there at 3 when we arrive to interview him, and his wife, Beth, picks up their daughter while Doug cleans the store and closes up. His wife works in a hospital, works very late. Doug used to work at the public high school, off work by around 3, 3.30, able to take care of the kids. This is all different now. Let's hear Jeremiah talk about the effect of entrepreneurship upon the family of said entrepreneur. It's not a singular, it doesn't have a singular effect. Like self-employment affects Beth, it affects Doug's kids, it affects people that aren't self-employed. You know, they're going about their day jobs like they were before. Doug made a life change and now it changes the entire dynamic. And I worry about that um, for Doug because um, we have the same situation. You know, Nicole, my wife, she works full time. She's not stopping her job to take care of the house more, watch the kids more because I disappear into self-employment. I think Doug and Beth are in the same boat. Beth is still working full time. And probably as a necessity, you know, when you start up a business, you don't make millions of dollars in your first month. I worry about Doug's ability to balance his work demands with his family demands and find happiness in that. 
In other words, Doug is fucking stressed out. From running a business alone to a global pandemic to taking on a profession you've never actually worked in, Doug has a big hill to climb. But he finally got a day off because of weather. Fat volumes of snow covered New England a few days before my interview with Jeremiah. And what was Doug doing on that snowy day? He closed the restaurant. He closed the cafe, but he spent the day shoveling and cleaning it up and organizing it, etc. And he told me that he had a moment where he was outside shoveling snow where he you know, had a little mental break and was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Like, wh- why, why am I shoveling snow outside this little cafe? And I think that is not a deep, why am I owning a cafe? That's just, I'm so exhausted by doing one thing every single day since it opened whatever how many months ago now i I just yeah no no one no one's going to survive in that so i I, he needs to have an employee or decide he's closing his restaurant or his cafe on sundays and just live with that reality reality can be so hard to live with though right drugs and alcohol are intoxicating but reality is sobering that's why we get drunk and enjoy doing it I love what Jeremiah says here about the decision in business to actively not do something. And I think also I'm a pretty balanced person, so I do a good job having days off. I've had days off since the day I started. Um, I take vacations. I leave. (laughs) I do a lot of things that a lot of farmers and startup business owners do not do. And that was based off the mentors I had worked with. You know, one of the mentors I said had always said, you know, every Sunday – you don't work. It doesn't matter. You just don't work on Sunday. And you realize at one point, the only way to not work is to avoid doing something. And that, I'm getting on a tangent here, but that mental shift for me was a big one. That when you're self-employed and you don't want to work, it's not that work's not there. It's not like you you are an employee, you tap in, tap out, and someone else takes care of it. Like you are, you're actively deciding that you are not going to do something and you're going to do something else instead. And that means something else is going to be left behind. You're not going to finish cleaning out the barn as well as you would like. You're not going to finish cleaning out, you know, the coffee pots at the cafe as well as you'd like. But you've decided that you're not because you need to go have some time off. And that that's how it works. You have to decide I'm not going to do something in order to go have some relaxation time. And I realized that fairly early on and was able to make that decision. And, you know, the farm's doing better than it was before. It's not as if that neglect led us to be dilapidated in any way. So I think we have good experience to share. I can relate to this. I have been so consumed with creating this podcast and telling this story that I sometimes feel like I have no choice. I am trapped here, tethered to my computer and my microphone, because I created this job for myself. I consciously decided to make this my responsibility. This, what you are listening to, this is my responsibility. And for the past two weeks, I have done nothing but work on this podcast. Sure, it's less taxing than operating a coffee shop or a farm all by myself, but I too forget about the choices that I have, that I am not, in fact, trapped here where I sit. Honestly, leaving my workplace for a day might be beneficial to this project as a whole. You know, that's a really great idea. I think I hear the sand calling me, and the stars as well. Yeah, I'll be right. I'll be back here this time tomorrow to keep working. But right now, I'm going to go read a sci-fi book on the beach, clear my head, actively not do something for a change. 
I return from my beach trip renewed. I took Jeremiah's advice and decided to actively do nothing. And what good advice it was. I am here to tell you that I agree that Doug does not have balance, especially because he has no employees and no days off. Neither Jeremiah nor Kath ever expressed that they did not think Doug has what it takes to create and run a successful, meaningful business. They jumped at the opportunity to help our budding entrepreneur, but they both recognized the exact same major issue in Doug's and most people's early months of opening a restaurant. He has no balance and his family life will suffer because of this. If Doug was single and in his early 20s, this wouldn't matter nearly as much, but Doug is on the other side of 40 and he has a wife and two daughters. What can befall a happy family when one member decides to start a business? You know, having been in the position where I've led teams and opened the house and closed the house and know, you know, what a 15-hour day can feel like day after day, I think those were my concerns with his business plan was, you know, you can dig deep and you can work hard, but you can also be smart about it. Like, honestly, if you borrow 30% less, you have to work 30% less, you know, like, so kind of figuring out what you have to give and what, where, I guess the balance point is something that always, you know, holding it in balance, but also the concern, you know, his wife uh, was taking on the full load of being the sole breadwinner in their family and just the pressures that that puts on everything. I think two young girls, I, I, I was just like, um, take care of your family because there's no regrets there, right? You can right. you can make mistakes in business, but when you when they affect your family and your um, quality of life, then those are hard lessons. So I guess I was trying to streamline his business plan enough so that he could work less, borrow less, mm-hmm. um, not just work to pay back the bank. So now a full picture of Doug the entrepreneur is coming into view. You've heard it several times now from both his mentors. Doug is told that he needs to achieve good work-life balance. Eric and I have both told him that he needs employees. His kids wonder where he is in the afternoons. And his wife, as we heard in episode two, also feels the burden of Doug's new entrepreneurship. Honestly, because Doug works so much, I have I've asked... so. A group of buddies and I, we go hiking every Sunday morning. I've invited Doug every time. He hasn't come once. And, uh, you know, he'll say because the cafe, which is which is true. But, you know, um, you still got to go for a hike sometimes with your friends. Um, so I, I haven't had a chance to say to Doug explicitly, like, you need to figure out a better work-life balance and how to have an employee. If you are working so hard that your own mentor can't get a hold of you, You are doing something wrong. It may feel like you are just being efficient, just putting your head down and doing your work, but those who love you miss you. Everything in your life requires input from you. That's just the way it is. The best way to get an excited, friendly dog to leave you alone is to ignore it. 
It's a give and take. If you ignore something, it will leave you and seek its essential input from elsewhere. In the immortal words of Mike Dotty, well, I knew the gas was gone, but I had to rev the motor. We all have motors and we all occasionally need a revving, but if you've spent your entire gas tank, your rev will be a wheeze. I think in the end, you need to ask yourself, why are you doing this? What are you seeking by seeking business ownership? Have you discussed it with your family? Have you discussed it with your current mentor or your current boss at your current job? Please, 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 please. No business is worth killing yourself for and no family or support structure is worth disassembling for your business. An anecdote that I was told once is you can give your business everything you got, but it will never give you everything you need. And that is so true. Like I could give the farm everything I have, but it will never give me love, my children, a day off. You know, it it doesn't do those things. It's just a job. It's just a job. How dare you let someone say that about your business? Just a job. (laughs) It is just a job. Get over yourself. The most important thing in your life is you. Why? Because the people that love you depend on you. So you need to make sure that you are good and relaxed and happy and not working 90 hours a week with a family at home, especially if that family existed before the business did. Remember earlier when Jeremiah said Doug could never go on hikes with him and their friends? Well, that's one side of the story. Curious about the other? You know, my friends want me to go on walks with them at 3.30 in the afternoon and on a Tuesday. And it's like, you know, see what I'm trying to do here? Wrong attitude, Doug. Switch it up for me, please. I might be overcomplicating things. I might be not doing enough. I might be doing too much. And that's the hardest part to figure out. So Doug's coffee shop is open. Customers are coming in and ordering. Doug is doing this for the right reasons. He is passionate, but he is struggling. In two separate voice memos I have shared in this episode, Doug has said, and I quote, I need help. Receiving help from another person is not the same thing as hiring and leading a team. Doug was in a pseudo team when he was in the band Granite State, and that didn't exactly work out. Something Doug's mentors have never mentioned, at least to me, is whether they think he has the ability to lead a team, to be a good leader, to guide those below him. In order to find this out, I had to seek out another person in Doug's circle. Meet Alex Sweat. Growing up, I was just a big, big athlete, fussy basketball, and uh, they're just basketball group called uh, integrity hoops um doug was just when he was in his 20s he helped out when, and he was my he was like my coach for when i was in third grade and in fourth grade so um yeah i relied pretty heavily on him for to learn about basketball also about life so doug was a basketball coach too the qualifications are piling up on our budding entrepreneur Artist, musician, rapper, business owner, husband, father, storyteller, and now basketball coach. The best bosses aren't bosses. They are 
coaches. I was lying earlier when I said Doug has never had an employee. Alex is technically Doug's first employee, and I will let him explain how that came to be. Yeah, so I took a gap semester this past so a fall of 2020 just because of COVID and, and word got around that Doug was opening a new coffee shop. And um, so I just reached out and was like, hey, would you, would you ever want some help? Like, like I'm free pretty much all the time. Um, yeah, so I helped uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 3 to 4 just cleaning up, like sweeping, washing dishes, small things. Um, and it kind of just led to like the forming, forming a uh, co- cohesive relationship. I knew Doug as like this very welcoming, very gentle, and very kind person, and um, he had a huge impact on my life during basketball. And um, um, I just I just knew he would make my day of making me happy if I came here and helped. I was interested in learning like different aspects of the restaurant industry, as well as like because I'm a big believer in like on like gaining experience rather than than just like reading a textbook and. So I wanted to learn like the ins and outs of a coffee shop, essentially, as well as like how to run a business, because I'm very interested in majoring in business. You know that saying, history repeats itself? Well, it's a dumb saying, because history is a made-up concept, and made-up concepts don't do anything. Humans repeat themselves. The circle of life revolves forever. Long before Doug ever sought mentors, he was one, and he probably didn't even know it. Rather than just stating the fact that, yes, Doug was at one point a basketball coach, I asked Alex if he could remember a specific moment when Doug revealed himself to be a truly influential mentor, even among the squeaking and swishing of the basketball court. Yeah, so um, it's kind of brief, but we had to do this drill. It was essentially my team, so the third and fourth grade team against the fifth and sixth grade team and it was essentially like how many layups could you do in full court in like a minute or two and uh we actually beat them by like a decent amount and i remember like after it was kind of surprising because that was like the because we would do like a bunch of drills to compete against the other teams and and uh it was kind of surprising that we won and uh doug pretty much just said like like it doesn't matter who you face it's all about um, it's all about like what you do within and like if you just focus on what you can do not not who your quote-unquote opponent is um, then you can do whatever you want but young minds are easy to mold everyone knows this can Doug York coach the young adults and old adults alike whom he eventually hires in his coffee shop according to Alex he's already doing it the past four or five months have been a very difficult time for me just from not being in school um doug has been one of the most influential people through that time span and he's helped me get through so many things um just if i have a bad day if i come here he brings my spirits right up um seven north is a phenomenal coffee shop um uh, run by just a great man who cares about the customer and essentially like Exeter, Exeter, New Hampshire as a whole. But um, to any customers listen to this, if you come here, you, you will not regret it. I don't know about you, but I think we could all use a cheerleader like Alex. But this ain't high school where cheerleading is a sport and you cheer on a team because of, let's face it, geography. 
No, this is the business world, and we must earn our cheerleaders. I wonder if Alex is just saying these things, not meaning them. I asked if he would consider working at Seven North once Doug gains the ability to actually hire a proper team. Yeah. Wait, are you planning on, like, do you have plans to work here like, again in the future? Or um, If he offered, I definitely would, 100%, like, cool. without a thought or without a second thought, um, just from the atmosphere and just working, just working with him again would be great. But, nice. um, I mean, I'm sure I can, I can pop in every time and make a make coffee like I've, i want to i want to i want to make coffee for my parents yeah here. um just because i know if i mess up like they won't they won't yeah, <laughs> get yeah, too like angry with me test subjects exactly basically. yeah cool well uh you can make coffee for me dude i won't get <laughs> mad if you make me sick um all right dude yeah let's cut it there sitting down with alex was an immense pleasure he's a good person genuine and honest and i think he's drawn to the right kinds of people people like doug I love hearing what he has to say. All I've heard from mentors are warnings. Beware of what your choices will do to the people you care about. Doug just being Doug left a positive mark on a kid's life in one community in America. Something tells me Doug will find the balance. However, like young Alex Sweat, Doug needs a support structure beyond business mentors. Doug needs love, but like Sade says, no ordinary love. At this point in researching and interviewing for this project, I did not know Doug's wife, Beth. I saw her briefly on a cold January day as she was picking the kids up from the coffee shop before we conducted an interview. She was masked up, so I could not see her face, but her body language and clipped answers to questions directed at her led me to be afraid of her. The whole point of this project was to address the fact that Doug works too much, and here I was, taking him away from his family for an additional two to three hours just to tell this story. I just figured she hated us. Us, meaning me and Eric. And I'm sure you can recall the incident at the end of episode two. Hold on. We can, you, we can wrap up. Hey. Remember in episode one, when I stated that although this is Doug's story, I am the one telling it? This is still true. The entire time I was researching for this project, I knew that at some point I would need to hear Beth's thoughts on Doug's entrepreneur journey. But I was scared. If the statement Doug doesn't have any balance and it could ruin his family was the beak of a woodpecker, then hello, good to meet you, my name is a tree with a hole in it. I wasn't scared, I was terrified. Would she be hostile? Would she remind me of that time, or perhaps times, plural, when this little podcast caused Doug to be late getting home? I figured she would. I figured, to her, I was the enemy. The coffee shop is Doug's dream. Hostility toward it would be misguided. But Jared Parisi, this guy who has zero responsibilities but 500 fucking questions about my personal life, I was shocked she even agreed to speak to me. After I set up my equipment and Doug had ushered his two daughters out the door at 5 p.m. on a cold March evening, I began to think of my first question. Almost immediately, Beth used a word that I never expected to come from her mouth. 
I was blindsided by two simple letters put together to form a concept that up until this moment I had thought Doug was completely without. It's a small word, as I said. It uses only two letters, but it can mean the world to someone, especially if that someone is alone or feels alone in their life and struggles. I just need a little help. I need to build a strong team. At what point do you build the team? At what point do you know you can bring someone on? We're in such a weird time, and the last thing I want to do is hire someone just to let them go in a few weeks or a month from now. Plus, I have a goal. I have a strategy, I should say. And I want to work the strategy, make adjustments along the way, but I don't know. This morning's just tough. Waking up at 5 a.m., and I know people do it every day, so... People do it for a job they don't want to do. So what am I complaining about, right? All right. Let's get after it today.